0: yeah yeah you know what mike mike <laughs> father mike
1: <laughs> mikey
0: yeah. whoa whoa, whoa. rain it back in not so familiar okay <laughs> father mike all right <clears throat> let's do this again Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 112. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and today we are talking about venting. Victorian English novelist Marianne Evans, under the pen name George Eliot, once wrote, quote, It's easier to quell emotion than to incur the consequences of venting it, end quote. It's a fine line and a delicate balance between venting and gossip, sharing a feeling, and slandering a person. And so while it may be necessary for us to seek counsel from time to time, it is essential that we consider how to do it properly and well.
1: But first, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. How about you do you want more from the modern lady become a patreon supporter and for just five dollars a month you will have access to extra content find us by going to patreon.com forward slash the modern lady podcast you can also support the show by giving us a rating review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts your reviews especially on itunes can really help others who might be interested find our podcast too your comments mean the world to us
0: this week's shout out goes to listener nadine who commented on our Instagram post for last week's episode on hope and said, quote, another excellent podcast, ladies, thought provoking. And also I may or may not have had a little squeal when Lindsay mentioned me and my umbrella etiquette question, end quote. Well, thank you so much Nadine for chatting with us on our Instagram page and for your excellent tip of the week suggestion. Who knew there was so much to unpack when it comes to proper umbrella use? And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week.
1: One of my all-time favorite chefs released a new cookbook this week and then surprised me by releasing a podcast to go along with it, and I'm just so excited. The chef is Nigel Slater, and his new book is called A Cook's Book. Every year I treat myself to a new cookbook at Christmas, and this is what I'll be buying this year. Now, during the first episode of season two of his podcast, he was asked what he thinks are essential tools or small appliances to have in the kitchen, and he said, Well, if it takes longer to look for than to use it, you don't need it. And I think that's a great answer. Last week I moved all of the small appliances in my kitchen to a new cabinet and it got me thinking about what I use and what I don't use in my own kitchen. And I realized that because I do cook and bake almost daily, I use everything except for the extra large wok we have stored away. But I was so intrigued by this topic that I decided to see what other sources have to say about which small appliances and tools are most useful in the average kitchen. The website for the magazine Food & Wine has an article about this very topic and they listed these items as essential. Food processor, espresso machine, blender, Instapot, immersion blender, rice cooker, toaster oven, hand mixer, and sous vide. Okay, so that's not exactly the list I was expecting. Now they did say that they made this list for tiny kitchens and for someone who really wants to develop their skills as a cook, as a home cook. Then I looked in the Good Housekeeping magazine and they had many of the same items on their list, but they also had a kettle and an indoor grill on their list. And then the website thekitchen.com also had the same items with the addition of a stand mixer like the classic KitchenAid. Now that's got me thinking what my top 5 essentials are, and here it is. Number 1, I agree. It's got to be the classic KitchenAid mixer. I use mine several times a week. Number two, an electric frying pan. Now, I think you've either grown up with one of these or you've never seen one. I grew up with one. And it's a large rectangular uh, pan with high sides that you plug in. You can use it as a griddle for pancakes, but I'm often cooking up many pieces of like breaded chicken or schnitzel. And so you can cook a lot in one pan versus on the stove. Number three, an immersion blender or countertop blender. I will say here that I have never bought an expensive version of either one of these things. Just your regular old on-sale black and decker and they've always been great. Number four, the slap chopper. I got one as a shower gift 17 years ago and it just broke and we need to replace it ASAP. That sucker chops up things so quickly and really helps with cutting onions. And number five anything to do with citrus fruits. I use fresh lemon almost every single day. And so I have two different things to extract citrus juice and then a few different zesters. Fresh lemon juice in a recipe or fresh zest on the top make all of the difference. So next week we will hear Michelle's top five kitchen tools or small appliances.
0: Mm, get ready. I know you're all <laughs> going to be waiting with bated breath. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, listening to your list, I'm thinking, I need a Slap Chop. Why don't I have a Slap Chop?
1: Maybe I'll buy two. Maybe there's a two-for-one Slap Chop deal somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That would be perfect.
0: (laughs) To vent or not to vent? That is the question. We all have times in our lives where we just need to get something off our chest. But doing so properly is another story. Right, Lindsay?
1: Yes. So last week we talked about homecoming, right? And this was actually Mm -hmm. supposed to be part of that episode, but alas, we went down rabbit holes, many, many rabbit holes. (laughs) And we started to realize that venting itself is a really big topic. And so we wanted to find out, well, is it honestly helpful or is it a hindrance? And little did I know last week when we started researching this, just how much this would impact my own personal life this week. So Michelle, Mm you might argue with me on this, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'm really a venter. Like I'll say something's bothering me, but I usually don't go into too much detail. Mm-hmm. I can usually shake something off, but there has been an underlying, I guess, sense of stress in my life, right? And everybody's mm-hmm. life right now, but I've mm-hmm. certainly been feeling it. And I realize that when I crash, I crash hard. So Jason and I were on our way to a lovely morning out at an antique shop. And I'm laughing already because it's so humiliating to share this, but we were mm-hmm. discussing him sand something at home and I asked him if he would have put a blanket down to protect the floors and he wasn't unsure if he needed to do that and I mm. just lost it about a blanket about a blanket oh. being put down <laughs> And it turned into one of those like, okay, I actually ended up crying in the parking lot for an hour outside of the antique store. And he just listened. But what I realized happened is I hadn't been venting and letting off those little bits of steam over the last Mm. couple of months. And Mm -hmm. so before I knew it, and I thought I'm pretty aware, right? Self-aware. We do episodes like this. This is stuff we talk about all the time, but it caught up with me too. And I ended up crying in an antique store parking lot for an hour. And Mm. I just thought, Yeah. Why didn't I do any controlled venting before I exploded?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting point because I looked up the definition of venting Mm -hmm. on Google Mm -hmm. and it it does say, you know, to give free expression to a strong emotion. Um, But then the second part, it says to provide an outlet for air, gas or liquid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would add to that feelings. Maybe that maybe it's air because we're talking, (laughs) yes, right? But you there is an outlet that is needed. Um, And I think there is a difference between all of these very various aspects of what we would put under the one big umbrella of venting, right? Venting is a little bit different from gossiping, which is Mm -hmm. a little bit different from sharing your feelings, which is a little bit different from seeking counsel. Like,
1: yeah, they kind
0: of all sound the same. but there is there is nuance to them.
1: Yeah. And I read that the first usage of the word venting in reference to feelings and emotions was actually in 1590. So oh, it's wow. been around for a long okay. time, but you're right. The, the <laughs> direct translation is like to let out, to expose to air, right? Instead of keeping mm. it within side. And so you're, you, you mentioned gossiping. I think that mm-hmm. that's the first thing that comes to my mind with this because Again, I'm of two different worlds. Like before I was a Christian, I knew what venting looks like in the secular world. But this is something I've really had trouble understanding what it looks like in the pursuit of holiness. Like Mm. how do you vent as a Christian? How do you let those emotions out and feel those things you're supposed to feel without, you know, slandering other people's names? Mm -hmm. Um, So can my husband come home from work and Let off steam about his day, sharing little stories, you know, about people or things that have happened to him. Can I tell him about my day, about things and conversations I've had with friends and family that might have upset me? It's something that I'm still really confused about. So I was really happy to (laughs) dig deeper into this topic.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what? Father Mike Schmitz on YouTube has a really great short piece on Ascension Presents where he talks about this. where He talks about venting and where it starts to slip into gossip. And I found this really interesting. So basically, he says, when it stops being an invitation to someone helping you carry a burden Mm. and becomes, I'm recruiting you to be on my side against that person. Then it's then it's gossip. Right. And I was like, oh, yes, because I think to me it's always been um, like to vent is more me centric. I I just need to unload how I'm feeling about a situation or a circumstance. I'm frustrated. Um, I don't know what to do as opposed to being like other people or exteriorly centric if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. that person did this to me or I'm mad at that person and so I really loved Father Mike's definition that when it when you're venting you're really just inviting someone else you're asking somebody else to come into your um, problem and kind either provide you counsel or
1: accompaniment or uh, just an ear an open ear to to speak to I love that. It's already such an important point that this is an intentional act, right? I think we slip into venting mm. just cathartically or without really thinking about it. But I think the underlying message of this entire episode is going to be, it can be done, but you have to be intentional about it. You have to be mindful mm. about what's happening. I also turned to a priest. So it's so funny. We've both <laughs> turned to priests. <laughs> yes. Surprise, surprise. It um, seems like and- a thing to turn to a priest <laughs> about. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> and he explained that gossip is Saying negative things about someone to someone else, even if they're true, but without a real, real need to do so. He Uh went on to explain that the truth is. That it's very rare when we would actually need to do this, when we would need Mm. to share negative things about someone in order to seek advice or vent that you can usually, if you're creative, share the thing or lean on somebody or invite somebody into your bad day without having to bring in negative details about others. Now, he said a case might be made if someone needed to talk about like a boss about one of his employees to another boss, you know, in a training Mm. kind of circumstance. But it's Mm. actually very, very rare. Now, he went on to say that it is preferable, in fact, that it's ideal that we find a way to vent without speaking negatively about others. In fact, he said we should actually start to develop um, like a sense of distaste. It should become distasteful if we slip into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And you know what? To your point, in that same video by Father Mike Schmitz, he actually calls gossip an everyday betrayal. Right. And wow. I feel like if I were to think of it in that sense, I would see how it could quickly become distasteful to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And and so that's a good thing to remember. But then it, also in my research, there was another video by a speaker and consultant named Sai Wakeman. And she is the founder of an organization called Reality Based Leadership. And she had some similar things to say about venting and whether venting is healthy, They take it from a corporate perspective because that's who they're training. But um, in this video, they are looking at, well, isn't, you know, some venting healthy? And what she says is that it may feel good, but ultimately... Um, again, with these negative intentions, it isn't going to be useful or productive. Right. And in fact, it's going to lead you away from solutions. Mm. And she also mentions that venting um, and any habit, really, once you do it a few times, it will create pathways in your brain. And the interesting thing that I just learned was that pathways need to be fed by the same things that created them in the first place. So once you form a pathway. And in particular, if it's from gossiping, from venting, then it's going to become something that your brain um, naturally turns towards or gravitates towards. It's going to become a bit of a habit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this will be different from when we start talking about when are appropriate ways to vent or when are appropriate times to vent. But in a general and a broad sense, like what um, the priest you were talking to was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, It's really not something that we want to get into the habit of. Right.
1: Okay. That's already a lot to unpack. (laughs) We are just... (laughs) <laughs> that was just our intro um wow. so we're just <laughs> that is a lot and you, you know what? those are all really really great points because I think that we need to really look first about why we are doing this why we feel compelled to do it and it's really interesting with the narrow pathways and I I mean I didn't look into that but I'm assuming that it starts like that re, um reward center of your brain once you form those mm. pathways that it starts to feel good right so mm-hmm. you continue on in that habit um But what about just picking it right back to our homes, right? Let's go back to the homecoming we talked about last week. So our husbands have come into the house, they've had a bad day, and they just need to get it off their chests a little bit. Can that Mm -hmm. ever be helpful? And I read a great article on entrepreneur.com that broke down the pros and cons of venting. and. Yeah. So some of the pros that it can help you avoid disaster, which means you might not actually blow your top at work if you've been open about your feelings (laughs) at home. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You can control then how you let off that steam. Uh, it does provide immediate relief. Like what we're saying, it does go into your brain. That kind of action does have a neurological response and you do feel better and a Mm -hmm. loving family member who you really can trust. They can help cheer you up and they cannot provide not only encouragement, but sometimes some good solutions. We'll talk about that a little bit later with empathy, but there is the potential there if you're open to it. If you want to have some advice that someone who really loves you can help you out with some solutions. Now, some of the cons is that stress is contagious. So not only is it bad habit forming, it can spread Mm. to everyone else in the house, right? Another con is that venting about work can also change how your spouse and your loved ones or friends see the people that you're venting about. And it can affect your company, your brand. If you're saying over and over and over again to somebody how bad so-and-so is at work or some b- mistakes they're making at work, mm-hmm. do you think that person's mm-hmm. going to want to recommend your company or your work to their other friends? No, it really can shape how other people see people who don't have the chance to defend themselves, which is another part of gossip. Mm-hmm. Lastly, like you were saying, it becomes addictive. And just focusing on negative thoughts becomes your habitual response instead of seeking out and being intentional about being positive.
0: Hmm. Well, I'm so glad someone made up a very simple list for us <laughs> to refer back to. That's great. I do love what the list said, essentially in the pros section of being mm-hmm. able to vent, in particular at home. Yeah. Because to me, what that indicates is that the one thing that we can try to do is to create a safe environment for the people in our families, right? Yes. That point that you mentioned about um, how your venting could potentially impact someone's impression of you know whatever you're venting about,
1: mm-hmm. I thought
0: that was such an interesting point because I've really tried hard over the years to train myself. As the ventee, maybe? I don't know. Is that the person who's being vented to? <laughs> the <laughs> venter, the, venter the tea, and yes. The ventee. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm ever the ventee, I have tried really hard to actually never participate actively. In the venting, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, Um, especially when it comes to something about the person's spouse Mm -hmm. or family member or close friend or employer or something like that. I know that it could just be getting something off their chest. Right. And I just want people to know that their close relationships is very important to me and I'm going to help them preserve it at all costs. I think that's something really important to keep in mind because it can go both ways. As the venter, you could say things that you may say in the heat of the moment, but not mean necessarily um, and thereby kind of impact negatively someone else's impression of the person or the thing. But then also to someone who is receiving the venting, you can make a comment and think that you're being their ally or on their side or being supportive of them. But then when everything cools down, that person will be like, "Well, whoa, <laughs> like, yeah, that's my mom you're talking about or yes. that's my friend you're talking about here. And so it, it is, I think still like what we were saying with the intention, um, if our intention is just to give a listening ear, a, a safe environment, to get something off of your chest that will really kind of point us in the right direction of
1: how to react from both ends of the conversation. Okay, so we're back to the ventur now versus the ventee and the ventur Needs to confide in someone who can make this situation better, possibly. I guess it really depends still on your intention, right? Do you just need to get it off Mm -hmm. your chest? Or is there really a problem? And this, I just realized this again, and I know this seems so obvious, but you know, my daughter Ellie's been having trouble at school and she was talking to me about it. And then I, I relayed some of it to her teacher because I realized, wait, I can't fix it. Her teacher can. Mm, And so what the craziest thing happened when I told her teacher and then he fixed the problem, right? So I think it's really important to identify, is this something, again, that just needs to get off somebody's chest? Or if there's a problem, are they talking to the right person? You might not be the right person, but you may be able to listen and take kind of the edge off or the emotion off and then direct them to say, do you know what, I really think you should talk to your boss about this or so-and-so at work who could maybe actually fix the problem that you can't fix as their wife.
0: Mm -hmm. That is such a good point. Um, That true venting is ultimately processing, right? Mm, And processing in the right way. So exactly that you're talking to the right people, the ones that can actually help you um, and about the right things to accomplish to achieve the right end. So venting, actually, if we break it down, is not reactionary. Maybe that's what it is, right? Is that sometimes it can be a knee jerk, like um, explosion when we hold it in for too long, perhaps. Mm. But asking for counsel is different. And you can vent in a seeking counsel kind of a way. It can be appropriate if you have it framed with the right intentions of accomplishing something. And it's done with discretion and charity,
1: Yeah. And that that priest I was talking to this morning, he reiterated again, something we all know, but he's like, we are all going to have bad days and struggles and we are all going to need to vent. But again, being Mm. very choosy um, about who we vent to about being slow and deliberate about what we share. Right. Maybe like Mm. really again controlling it. And we have to ask ourselves always if we're sharing these things in a spirit of goodwill. Truly, even towards the people that we might be venting about to our spouse, like, is it a spirit of goodwill, still wanting this to get better, the situation to get better? Um, If we're hyper aware of these things, we can be assured that we will say what we need to say, that we will stop where we should stop, and that we can walk away from that feeling that we have been prudent and wise in our venting. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so we looked at marriage, but what about moms? <laughs> Where mm-hmm. can moms turn? So we have mentioned the excellent Instagram account at @mombrain.therapist before, and if you haven't started following her yet, like what are you waiting for? Her account is awesome. <laughs> uh specifically her infographics, right Michelle? Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so inf- you look at them and they're so affirming. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so she released one recently that struck a nerve with me and a lot of moms, and it was she entitled it Is your online mom group making you miserable?
0: Mm. And yeah,
1: yeah, it has happened to me. Uh, My online mom groups have made me miserable. And I know it's happened to a lot of my friends. Now, her name is Bryce Reddy. She's the woman behind, again, at mombrain.therapist. And she lists these things as potential triggers on her infographic. Um, Bullying and mommy sharing unhelpful comparisons keeping you stuck in past seasons of life misinformation or bad advice competitive parenting and drama in the comment sections yeah these are things that if you were to spend Mm. a couple hours or even 10 minutes in an online mom group you'd probably encounter all of these things so this begs the question why do moms turn to online groups for support So I think the answer might be obvious at first. A mom might not have anywhere else to turn, or she might even be physically isolated, living out in the country or suffering under repeated lockdowns. But something else might be happening. She might actually like the anonymity of the group. She likes the idea, perhaps, that she doesn't have to engage with these people face to face or, you know, show that she was actually listening to the things that she was saying. She she might actually prefer the non-human contact.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting vehicle, the mom groups, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, you're right. I can understand the appeal. Like you have this community of seemingly like-minded people, right? Um, yeah. And you want to vent. <laughs> you just want to <laughs> say something to the ether sometimes. Yeah. And I wonder if that anonymity uh, leads to that. But yeah, that is one of my biggest questions with mom groups is. You know, I think we really have to question, is this ultimately what that group was designed for? Right. And social media in general, like, was that what this is de- designed for? Like,
1: what are we looking for in these groups? Exactly. So I shared that infographic on my Facebook and asked, you know, for people's opinions. And mm-hmm. it became a huge conversation. And a lot of women started sharing a lot of things. But then that made me ask the next question, which is like what you're saying, is, is it reasonable to expect total strangers who you don't know, mm-hmm. who don't know you in your life, to give you proper advice and support? Is it reasonable to expect that? I mean, the clear answer is no. It's not reasonable right. to expect <laughs> that from a mother's group. So, again, why do moms over and over again turn to these online groups for support? And so as I was writing out these notes, Michelle, I realized it's a circular discussion because then it comes back to because some of them still feel isolated. And some of them <laughs> still need someone to talk to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like this, this circle, it's really, really hard for moms. Another thing is, you know, some of these women have reached out to real women in their lives and have been really hurt by some of the things those women Mm -hmm. have said. That's what happened to me. And there are some things that can be said to you when you're a new mom that can cut like a knife and stay forever. We're so vulnerable at different seasons in different seasons of our motherhood. Now, this brings Mm -hmm. me to a point a friend of mine said this morning. She said that she relied on those online mother groups during different seasons in her motherhood and early marriage where she wasn't feeling very confident yet about her own role. So she turned to those. And then as soon as she gained that confidence, she didn't rely on those groups anymore. And so... Mm. I can see how that can happen, even if it's a positive experience or, believe it or not, a negative experience. If you're just looking to feel more confident about your decisions, being in those groups, you know, could have that benefit to you. You could go, you could realize if you're doing something and they're all fighting with you and be like, no, this is what I believe in. This is what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden feel more confident, like confident. So what we're thinking about with seasons is maybe, you know, when you have a newborn or a toddler or (laughs) you're in the teenage years, like there might be this whole period in the middle where (laughs) it's not Mm. as bad and you're not as vulnerable and in an emotional place. But, yeah, I loved her point about seeking out confidence in those early days and that the groups helped her with that. And then when she had that, she didn't need them anymore.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That is such a good point. And keeping a a proper perspective then, right, of what you're using it for, it's still ultimately a tool, right? Um, And I don't think it's necessarily bad to go on these groups and ask for advice within certain parameters, right, if it's not veering into slandering other people or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, But we just have to remember that, like what you said, these are strangers, Um, And that we can't expect too much from them. They might be giving advice just based on the very, very small understanding of who you are. They don't know you. And so then conversely, if they are rude or they come across as being rude or mean... Then it's equally important to remember that you don't know them either. Right. <laughs> and you can you can just disregard their comment. Like you're not yes. going to awkwardly run into many of these people at the grocery store or yeah. something like that, too. I, I really think that when it comes to especially online mom groups um, and seeking advice and counsel in those areas, really protecting yourself. With this understanding of what exactly it is uh, you're going to, um, who these people are in relation to your real life, and going from there will maybe safeguard you from either being hurt or maybe saying something that could hurt someone else or come back to
1: you in another negative way. So one of the other things I see in mom groups over and over again It goes back to gossip. It's women pouring out way too many personal details
0: Mm. about their
1: husbands, about their mother-in-laws, their sister-in-laws, their family, their children. And again, we get that you need support, but these are strangers. And I I always read those posts and I think, oh my word, what if your husband was in a men's group pouring out all this stuff about you on a group or your Mm -hmm. mother-in-law was saying all this stuff about you? We need to just be so careful to guard Those relationships, I I get that we need to vent. And again, that same priest I was talking to this morning was saying that you know not only does it help us maybe not blow right if we have little careful releases Mm. of the stress, but that also if if we don't lean on people, we could be missing out on the opportunity for receiving some really great advice. So just like I received some bad advice in the early years of my motherhood, there were other times I received amazing advice, pieces of wisdom that I still carry with me. So having those opportunities to talk to people, especially as a mother are incredibly important, but pouring out your, your deepest, darkest secrets and really intimate details into mom's groups, just not helpful. Mm. It's really not because again, even though you think you're giving so many of the details, no one, no one is as invested in it and helping you as somebody who actually knows you in your real life. And Mm -hmm. they're just never going to be able to grasp, the nuances, and it really is a violation of a sacred trust between husband and wife and family.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're only often getting like or giving one side of a story Mm -hmm. too. So we do have to be really careful how we word things and that those people that we may be venting too much about on mom's groups are, are not there often to speak up for themselves or to offer their perspective (laughs) of what happens too so yeah that can get really murky and we should definitely be
1: aware of that Okay. So if you're listening to this thinking, I, I really only have a mom's group to turn to, you know, I don't really know who else to lean on. Well, pray about it because another friend commented that when she looks back over the her years of motherhood, she sees that God really placed the right people in her life at the right time for the right seasons. And that mm. maybe those people aren't in her life anymore, but she sees that they were there at the right time for whatever it was she was going through. And she's so thankful for those relationships so we can ask god right to bring Mm -hmm. us people into our lives to be these confidence to be somebody that we really really can lean on and i just don't feel like that's a prayer he would ignore (laughs) so we can be like lord i need a friend i really need a mom that i can lean on and feel close to because i know he'd rather us build those real life relationships than turn to facebook
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like he's very pro relationships and (laughs) very um, neutral at best (laughs) about social media. I'm pro relationships. It's one of his slogans. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? He is in the business of problem solving and not stewing, right? So yeah, take to him your problem. And you know what? Even if it looks different than what you'd prefer or what you think you need, God will never abandon us like what you were saying. Um, So whatever situation is worrying us right now, and if we don't feel like we have anywhere else to turn to,
1: he is always there and he'll give us who or what we need. There's one more tip someone said about if you're sharing with somebody, you know, venting about other people and you have to involve them. This one husband and wife use nicknames about his coworkers, So she never knows exactly who he's talking about. He mm. he calls somebody short sleeve. Um, so she's like, OK, oh. so what did short sleeve do? And they have to still make sure that they're not getting into, you know, silliness or whatever. But it's a way for him to still unload a little bit without having to implicate whoever it was. And I thought that mm. that was a really neat tip as well. So. Okay, Mm -hmm. Michelle, let's assume that we've been very selective over who we're going to vent to. And we have made a promise to ourselves that we will do our absolute best to not slip into gossip. And let's say we are using nicknames, we're not revealing names. And we know now how to share just enough to let off some steam. So how can we listen to someone who's venting in the most productive and positive way? Well, one of the first tips I read was to set a timer. And when the timer Mm. goes off, you intentionally shift the focus to something positive from the day. This will help in that habit breaking and habit forming right? If you really have to like only have a short amount of time, it really will maybe help like change those pathways in your brain. And then you'll, you'll build a new habit because you'll learn how to slip from negative into positive every time.
0: Hmm. Oh, I like that timer trick because yeah, often that would be when venting turns into something that could be a little bit more toxic right yes, is that yes. when there's no ending time if you've said what you needed to say do you ever find that like you just keep repeating it yes. over and over again kind of the do same I? thing yeah. <laughs> do you edit me every week yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> but it's especially when it's something upsetting mm-hmm. right um we want to feel that sympathy or like we want to be comforted. And so I do find that like given an indiscriminate amount of time yes. it does have a potential to just keep going around and around That's and around right. same points over and over again. But that is an excellent way to safeguard the conversation and keep it forward moving based
1: yes. if that makes sense right and you just brought up yeah. a really interesting distinction between venting and dumping which I didn't even really have a chance to get into on my notes mm-hmm. but those are two different things right one is proactive mm-hmm. and can be constructive and one is just like you're saying like dumping it all out it can get really vindictive it can just get really nasty and so those are two different things for sure but I like the timer idea too and even just saying to your husband like you know what when you come home from work let's each have 10 minutes each of us mm-hmm. to talk about our days and then let's move on like we'll set the timer so each one of us can say our things and say our piece yeah that's a great point point.
0: and when you said dumping it reminded mm-hmm. me of this whole concept of emotional dumping and something that I embarrassingly did not even consider before which a lot of people online say is to ask you can ask people if you can vent to them Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I should ask. <laughs> should ask before I unload my entire life story on people. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense now, but yeah, so even having that as a parameter before you launch into something, I feel like automatically structures the conversation as something very intentional that's happening, right? Before just yes. launching into the storm of emotion that may be happening inside you or having someone ask you permission if it's okay that they share something with you right now it just kind of like uh sets the tone for something that can be productive and edifying as opposed to something that can quickly
1: spiral out of control yes that is perfect so I think to wrap things up, I just want to reiterate something you said earlier about like when you just make it more simple. I think we complicate everything. I complicate everything for sure. Where you're just like, can I just mm-hmm. vent? I think there's a lot to be said for just being upfront. Um, if you're the one doing the venting, you could just say, you know what, I'm sorry for the mood I'm in. I just needed to vent. I f- I'll feel better shortly my goodness Mm -hmm. doesn't that little glimpse of humanity right of humility of honesty just take the sting out of things being a little vulnerable by saying i've had a bad day can i just talk it out for a few minutes i know that as a wife i would drop everything and listen wholeheartedly if that's how it was you know outlined at first perhaps you really are alone and you don't know where else to turn i want to return one last time to something the priest said to me It seems like the most obvious advice, but I'm willing to bet that most people do not actually do this first. He said, the first person that we should vent to is God. Prayer first, prayer always first. And surprise, surprise, it's often enough. Maybe you're new to prayer and have no idea what you'd say. Pour your heart out, unburden yourself, and then ask what you should do. And always, always pray for the person who might be irritating you don't just pray that they stop irritating you. Pray that God blesses them immeasurably. Praying for your enemies that they may experience God's love is what made Christianity so radical 2,000 years ago and still today. There was an anonymous quote that I stumbled across that says something like, I have stopped venting and have started praying because I don't need sympathy, I need strength. It is so important to identify just what it is you're looking to accomplish when you're venting. Sometimes it really is as simple as letting off steam. Sometimes you just want the reminder that you have the support that we all crave, but sometimes it might be something a little more. Perhaps choosing not to vent, choosing instead to pray for strength, to endure, might be exactly what you need. Either way, you're never fully alone. The gospel of peter reminds us that god is just waiting for us to give all our cares to him because whether we believe it or not he cares for us
0: okay it's time for our what we're loving this week segment of the show so lindsay
1: what have you been loving this week There's a new show on Amazon Prime called Dinner Club, and it kept popping up, and finally I tried it. Have you seen it on there, Michelle? No, I actually haven't. Okay, okay. Now... I'm so glad I did. It's an Italian show. It's fully in Italian, so you'll need subtitles. It's like a reality show. It's not a sitcom or a drama, but rather the main premise of the show centers around the idea that no one sits down to enjoy their dinner anymore. And this is coming from Italy, right, where you still think people Mm. do that. They said everyone's just eating in front of their TVs and they want people sitting together and enjoying food together again. So the host is a well-known Italian chef named Carlo Cracco, and there are six participants, which I've since learned are all uh, well-known celebrities in Italy. (laughs) There are six (laughs) episodes, and in each episode, Carlo takes a guest with him on a journey somewhere into Italy, where they have to eat whatever is served to them. And then once they've all tried this new food, they go back to the main house, and they recreate some of those special foods that they've had for the other guests, and they have a dinner party. Now, what is so fascinating about the show is, despite the fact that they're all Italian, and The regional food there varies so much versus here in Ontario that they are all totally unfamiliar with some of the regional delicacies that they're trying and then presenting to the rest of the cast. Now, when Carlo takes each celebrity with him to these places, he uses a different mode of transportation each time. So there's a boat, there's a 1970s RV, they go on bikes, and it's really, really fun. But what I really love is the scenery. It's gorgeously filmed, there's a great Italian soundtrack, and it's actually really Really laugh out loud funny and so enjoyable i do want to say that they swear a little bit my main issue is that every once in a while the subtitles in english will say omg right like that'll be written mm-hmm. out but you can actually hear them saying mama mia they're not saying like oh. the, the translation so i actually googled it to see even though i know mamma mia would be like my mother i wanted to know mm-hmm. if omg is the like kind of direct equivalent of mamma mia and it is not so that kind of bothers huh. me that they used omg as it's the english so you will see that written a little bit but yeah so if you are watching it maybe just not with the kids because there's the odd swear word. but, but is the perfect pour a glass of wine get a great snack you know put together for you mm-hmm. and your husband and watch dinner club
0: Oh, that sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. And once again, it's these immersive kind of shows, right? That really draw you in and transport you somewhere else. That I think we really crave, especially this time of year. This is what we're looking for. (laughs)
1: Yes. So what have you been loving this week?
0: So what I've been loving this week is a brand new podcast to me and also relatively new in general. It's called the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. (gasps)
1: Yeah.
0: I've heard of the book. There's a book, right? Heard about? Well, not the podcast, but yeah, there's a movement. Instagram account, yes, yes. Um, I have that right in my notes. It is a movement (laughs) (laughs) started by a woman named Ginny Uric. And she is a mother of five in Michigan who one day wondered why so many outdoor parks and nature trails, et cetera, were just devoid of children all the time and people in general. Like, why were we not getting outside more often, herself and her family included? So after some research, she found that it is recommended children in particular be outside for four to six hours per day. Oh, oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And much like me, and clearly Uh you, when Uh I heard that, (laughs) she was flabbergasted. Um, But she and her family decided to actually try it. And since then, they haven't looked back. And so their whole movement encourages families to try to be outside for 1,000 hours over the course of a year. And the movement has grown rapidly, uh, including recently when she started a podcast. So the podcast already has some pretty amazing guests featured, like she has one episode featuring Linda Ekison who is the author of There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. But the other two episodes that I really liked so far have a similar theme, light. (laughs) And I had no idea how essential exposing ourselves to proper lighting is. But the first episode on light features Dr. W. Chris Winter. He talks about the connection between light and proper rest and sleep. And then the second episode she has on light is her most recent one to date and features Dr. Jacob Lieberman, who goes into amazing detail of what sunlight does to our physiology in our bodies. So you know what, if you're like me and you have even the slightest inclination to get outside more often than you currently are, then I would really recommend Ginny's 1000 Hours Outside podcast for some truly enjoyable motivation. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at Sachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at Homemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time.